Amen. Awesome. Well, it's good to see you this morning. So glad that you're joining us here at Elevation. Uh, I want to introduce myself. My name's Daniel, and I'm the lead pastor here, and it's such a joy to have you with us and being a part of this morning, and everybody that's online as well. We're just glad that you're joining us. Now, you may or may not know this, but we are continuing a series today uh, that's actually called Love expressed love expressed and this entire series is about something that's really critical really important matter of fact i'd go as far as to say that it's the most important thing to god and that's worship and so we're going to be spending a few minutes talking about that today. We, we uh, opened it up last week, and so if you missed any of that, you can go back and you can find it online. If you don't have our app, you can download the app as well at Elevation Church STL and find it there. And all of our messages are up there so that if you want to go back and review them and maybe process them a little deeper, you can. And so excited to jump in here today, but, but uh, by way of kind of connecting the series verse. And so I want to read to you today what our series verse is. And the series verse is, is this, and this is in Mark chapter 12, verse 30. It'll be on the screens, and so you can see it up there. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Listen to these words. You've, you may have heard these before. Very simple, very straightforward. Jesus is talking about what it means to worship him. Listen to this. And you must love the Lord your God with all, everybody say all. all, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Now, is that a lot of all? It is. It's a, it's a lot of all. And so it is all encompassing. It is a holistic, complete picture of what it looks like to worship God. And so this becomes the backdrop of what we'll be talking about over the next few weeks. And, and what we did last week is we simply defined worship. Because one of the things, if I asked you today, I say, hey, what comes Well, music or uh, singing, uh, bowing, instruments? I mean, I don't know what comes to your mind when I say worship, whatever that is. What I find is, is if I say it, everybody has kind of a, a, a particular perspective. You know, they have thoughts, they have ideas, they, you know. But then when I ask this question, if you could define worship, what is it? Now, you get all kinds of suggestions, right? And it seems in our culture that if you were to define what worship is, everybody seems to have an opinion as to what it is. And what I've noticed is that it's actually more leaning, it's kind of leaning more towards our preferences, our opinions, our desires, the things that we want. And friends, I'm just here to tell you that's not what worship is. Worship has clearly been defined in the scripture. And what happens sometimes is we define it, and that's the problem. Because God has already defined it. Isn't it curious that somehow the, the created being starts to define what it actually is to the creator? Matter of fact, it's not curious. It's almost like on borderline hubris or pride at a very deep, arrogant level, that somehow I get to define for God what he actually loves. Yeah. <laughs> That's so twisted. And we would never do that in our interpersonal relationships. And if we do, it gets messy, doesn't it? Yeah. Right? If I don't love people the way they want to be loved, then it can get messy. 
If you're in a relationship or you're in a marriage, you've been taught that at some point. Like it's not about you. You have to figure that out. You have to lay down your life for that other person. And if you don't, guess what happens? Problems. Because intrinsically, there's a selfishness in us. And you know what's crazy is that the enemy knows that. The enemy is busy pointing and poking at that reality because he knows that we have a tendency to want to be focused on ourselves. He knows that we have a tendency to want to be in charge. He knows that we wouldn't say this, but if we're really honest, we want to be Lord. We want to be on the throne. We want to determine that. And that's what's so scary about our culture right now and how we're kind of living is that what's happening is so much of what we believe and what we think and what we live our lives around is something that we've created, something that we've manifested, something that we've defined. Isn't it true? Because we live in a world that's like whatever makes you feel good, whatever makes you feel good. Well, guys we talked about this last week is God is not all that interested in that. I would go a step further and say, he's really not interested in that. He's not interested in what you like necessarily. He's not interested even in your comfort or just even your enjoyment all the time. And you're like, what? I thought God wanted that. I thought he wanted to make me happy. Well, yeah, but there's more to that. Like you've heard that passage of scripture that says that God wants to give you the desires of your heart. You heard that? I mean, we've all probably heard that. Well, yes, of course he does. As long as your desires are in line with his desires. See, that's the point. Like, the, the, in other words, there's an alignment that has to occur before God starts giving the things that we want because the things we want are just bags and bags of candy. You know what I'm talking about? Like, that's what we, like, it's just, it's just this crazy idea because we really think we know what we need, but ultimately we don't because he knows better. And wouldn't it make sense that the God of the universe that created you, that defined you, that, that made you, I mean, the whole thing that he has a better idea and a better plan for what your life should be. I mean, come on guys, you know that we all know that. And it's the height of America. I mean, it's height of, of human hubris to somehow define for God what that looks like. And so we defined worship this way is that worship is always expressed God's way. Okay. So if it's worship, it's expressed. You hear me? It's expressed. It's like love, right? Love is expressed. And if it's not expressed, then you have to wonder if it's actually love. And so the Bible defines that it's something we express, and there's all kinds of ways in the Bible that it's, it's defined as being expressed, but it's always expressed in the way that God wants it to be expressed. It's defined by him. And so we get to say, okay, Lord, if that's how you like to be loved, then I'm going to love you that way. Can you imagine if God was coming over to your house and he told you that he didn't like onions in his lasagna? Would you put onions in your lasagna? Well, of course you wouldn't. But sometimes what we do is we like to add things, little additives, things we like. And I think sometimes we've got to really look at this church is that worship is about God. It's always been about God. It's not about you. 
It's not about me. When I come to worship, I'm here to offer something to the Lord, not take. Now, I know that that's hard because some of us in the room come to worship to get something, right? And I get that, and I'm not saying that's bad, but what I am saying is if we get this twisted or if we get it backwards, it can, more, it, it can actually become more about me. But the thing I've noticed is if we will love God the way that he wants to be loved, he will meet the need that we have without us even having to ask. Because he knows what we need. That's what I love about our Lord. I mean, he even knows before I pray it. He just likes to hear me say it. God is more than able to help me and to help me find what I need. And so guys, wow, what an amazing thing if we get this right. So today I want to dig in just a little bit further because there's a major problem that occurred in history that occurred in the history of Israel and that occurred in the history of the church that is actually keeping the people of God from experiencing all that God wants them to experience when it comes to worship. And it's actually a pretty big deal. And the thing that I've noticed is most of us don't even know it's a problem because we've been taught something over the years. We've been taught something. We've been taught something. We've been taught something by the establishment. We've been taught something by religion. We've been taught something, but it isn't necessarily reflecting the witness of the Bible. Get this. So this is important, right? You see what I'm saying? What I'm about to say is pretty massive because I'm speaking against a, a long history that actually is a problem. I'd go a step further and say it's, it's, a, it's an incomplete picture of God's preferred future. Do you remember that story in the Bible where, where God gave Israel a king? Like they asked for a king. Now, God gives it to them reluctantly. He says, okay, fine, you want a king. But his plan was that they would never have a king. But they desired a king and they wanted to be like everybody else and have a king like everybody else so that that king could protect them. Do you see a problem? And he said, fine, here's your king. Now, what happens is you start to see all these books of the Bible, like the kings, right? And all these kings, and most of them are messed up. And yet, at some point, do we ever clue into the fact that that actually is an aberration? That's a problem, even though it looks like, okay, okay, what, what's happening, you know, here? And then there's David, and you're like, okay, great, it's going to be awesome. But it's not awesome, is it? Because David has problems, too. And then his sons have problems, and then the whole thing has a problem, and then the next thing you know, Israel's, what? In exile again. That's just how it seemed to work. And why is that? Because they started wanting something that wasn't God's plan. It's just true. And so, so we're going to dig in a little bit. I'm excited for you to hear this, but here's the big idea I want you to get today, and is that, that we are all empowered by Jesus. Listen to this. We are all empowered by Jesus to live and work as priests. Now, for all of you that grew up Catholic, I need to clarify that a little bit. You're like, are you saying I need to get celibate? Are you saying I need to, you know, I mean, I don't know. So why don't we just say minister of the gospel? Okay, that God has called each one of us to live and work as priests or ministers of the gospel. That's what the Bible says. But what happens is sometimes what happens is that we, we, we end up creating other things 
additives, if you will. There's purity in what God has created, and we maybe add some things. And do you know this? That you have an enemy that so much wants to deceive you from this reality, that so much of what he's about is getting us to believe that the church and that worship is really just for a select group of people. To create a divide between what? The clergy and the laity. Doesn't that sound fancy? The clergy and the laity. Now, I know that, that this is a massive statement, but do you think just maybe if God's plan wasn't that there was a separation, that the enemy would want to help create a separation? And if he could create a separation, can you imagine what it could do to the energy power of the church? Because what happens is there's one person doing stuff when the hundreds of people maybe aren't. Or maybe they're doing parts of it, right? There's stuff you can do, and there's stuff that you can do, but there's stuff that nobody can do, and if you can't, you, you know, and so you end up in this place, if you remember Dr. Seuss, anybody remember Dr. Seuss? I know he's been canceled, but let's just stay with it for a second. <laughs> do you remember that story he told about the stars on the bellies? Did anybody remember that one? So there were the ones that wanted stars. And I use this illustration all the time, but there's ones that wanted, had stars in their belly. And a guy came to sell them stars so that they could be like everybody else because they were the cool people because they had stars on their bellies. And so the guy comes and makes a profit off of them by helping them put stars on their bellies. Well, then the people with the stars on the belly get upset and, uh, and, and they are like, well, we don't want the stars anymore because everybody has stars. And so they're like, can you take the stars off my belly? And so the guy says, sure, I can do that too. And he gives them money and they give them money. And, and the next thing you know, they get their stars off their belly because they don't want to be like everybody else. Do you see what I'm getting at? Is that there's this kind of us and them and kind of you got stars and I don't have stars and and you are clergy, and I'm not. And what happens is it creates a division in the kingdom of God that actually wasn't established by God. Think about that for a second, guys. So I'm going to dig in because I, I just want to make sure you don't think I'm making this stuff up. Because I think, you know, because I could be up here just, I could just be making stuff up. I get it. And so, so here, here, here's what I want to do for a moment. So I want to dig into the Old Testament just for a second. Listen to this. Because I think this is important. See, God's intention for Israel was that they would be a nation of priests. His intention was that they would be a nation of priests. But something happened. Something went wrong. Now, if you don't believe me, listen to this. This is in Exodus, all right? If you know the book of Exodus, Genesis, right? Exodus, it's right there in the very beginning. In Exodus 19, verses 5 through 6, listen to these words. Now, if you will obey me, which again, that's God's ultimate love language, just FYI. So if you're thinking about what God's into, that's what he's into. Now, if you will obey me and keep my commandment, you will be my own special treasure. I love that. From among all the peoples of the earth. So he's saying, I'm going to pick you, not so that you'll be some exclusive group, right, that has the stars. Not that you'll just be some group that huddles up in Israel, in Jerusalem, and hangs out and doesn't let anybody else in. 
And this is important because God's plan from the very beginning was that Israel would be blessed as a very special group to be a blessing to the world. It wasn't to be secluded and separated. It was to be a blessing to the world. Now you have to get that because the mission of God is more important. And so God is always on this mission. Now this is important. So he says, he says, from all the peoples of the earth, for all the earth belongs to me. Okay, we've got that. Verse six, listen to this. And you will be my kingdom of priests. Do you see that? My kingdom of priests. So God was going to create a kingdom. Now, there was a kingdom that was created, but was it a kingdom of priests? No, something happened. You're like, wait a second, what happened? Because he says he's going to create a kingdom of priests, and he says, my holy nation. And he says, this is my message that I must give to you and the people of Israel. And you're thinking, you're missing, okay, wait, this is the message you gave to Moses. This is what God wanted to happen. What happened? Maybe you remember the story. So Israel was in slavery in Egypt. Any of y'all remember that from the Bible? Maybe you've seen the cartoon. Maybe you've seen the Charlton Heston Ten Commandments. But Israel was in slavery because of something they had done. They were put into slavery because of their actions. But here's the thing. This is what's crazy. They get out of slavery right? Remember they send Moses? Moses shows up. He's their deliverer. He brings them out of slavery and he takes them into the desert. Well, actually he takes them through the, the Red Sea at parts. You remember this whole story? And they get to the other side. Now, let me just ask you, if you saw a sea part and you walked through it, would you remember that? Yeah! Of course you would remember that. So, Right after they walk through the Red Sea on dry land, they come to the desert. And it's in the desert that God starts to talk to Moses. And he says to Moses, Moses, come up on this hill. Come up on this mountain. I need to give you something so that you can give it to the people. Okay, right? Now, what happens when he's on the mountain? As he's on the mountain, the people of Israel get an idea. They start to look around at everybody else. And they think to themselves, well, those people have gods. Okay, you see the problem already? And so they say, those people have gods, and not only do they have gods, they have shiny gods. And so they, con they convince Aaron to build them a golden cow. I don't know if you, if you remember this story. So they collect. Aaron literally helps them collect gold and they build this golden cow. And you know what they start to do? They start to worship the cow. And they're dancing around and they're having a party as they worship this cow. Moses comes down from the mountain and says, I know you didn't. <laughs> What? I embellished that a little bit. It was in our vernacular. <laughs> Moses is angry. Friends, he's angry. 
And he has this dialogue with God where he's like, God, smite them all. Just smite them all. Because he's so upset. Now remember, they just went through the Red Sea. And now all of a sudden, they're worshiping a cow. And guys, if you want to read the story, it's, it's a messed up story. But there's a point where Moses says, okay, all of y'all are messed up. If there's anyone that's for the glory of God, for the worship of God, if there's anybody, you come with me. And there's a group named the Levites that say, we're with you, Moses. Now it gets bloody after that. Because the Levites go throughout the camp killing everyone. Like, it's a mess, y'all. And I know, and we can have conversations about that, and, you know, but at the end of the day, there was a group that stepped up. And that was the Levites. And they were committed to the purity of God. They were committed to the holiness of the nation. Now, what happens after that? Well, the Levites become the priests. Do you see? Now, again, God's original plan was that they would be a holy nation, a priesthood, right? But in this particular case, the Levites come into that position in order to keep holiness with a group of people that didn't know what to do. And so, my friends, that is something we've got to see. Because if we don't understand this, then it's curious when we read it in the New Testament, we don't fully understand what's going on. Because the thing that's great about the Bible is it's this redemptive story. Like you read Genesis and you read the fall and then you read about Jesus over here. And what's crazy is that Jesus doesn't just happen in kind of like this uh, place that doesn't connect with the rest of the story. Jesus actually comes into the world and he restores us back to God. But what is he restoring us to? He's restoring us back to what we were originally created to be. Because in Eden, we were created to be with God. We were created to live a redemptive life with God. But we messed it up. And God knew we were going to mess it up. And he had a plan from the very beginning. But he had to make sure his plan kept moving forward. Wow, you guys are getting like the whole story today. And so, so here's what I'm trying to get. is Sometimes we forget that there's a story. It's a redemptive story that God has been orchestrating from the very beginning. And his plan was always that we would be a priesthood. His plan that we would always be a holy nation. His plan was that we would always be a people that were holy unto God so that we could reflect that to the world around us and more people would worship him. And the enemy was busy that day helping that crew create that golden calf. And it led to a problem and God had a solution, but it wasn't, it wasn't the original plan. Think about that. So we go forward just a little bit. The whole thing gets hijacked. The whole thing gets hijacked. Satan was busy that day. But I wanted to see some, I want you to see something that I think is so important. It's like, where are you going with this pastor? Here it is. If you're a follower of Jesus today, hear me now. If you're a follower of Jesus today, you have been drafted into the priesthood. 
That's what the Bible says. And I'm going to show you in just a second. But that's what the Bible says. And so what does that mean? Like any of you like drafts? Like the NFL draft is coming up. Like for me, I have a fantasy football league, which I'm the commissioner of, of course. And I, I mean, I yield. I mean, I, I wield. I wield an iron fist in my fantasy football league. It's just true. I mean, it's the one place. It's the one place in my life that I can be a complete dictator. It's amazing. But we have this draft coming up. You know when you draft players? See, that's what happened to us. Is if you, if you have a, a relationship with Jesus today, if you're a follower of Christ, if at some point in your life you said yes to Christ and his free gift to you, the Bible says that you've actually been drafted onto the team. Like we're like the team and like, like we, are, we should get like uniforms. Like we should get helmets, like priesthood or priests. Like do the whole thing, put our names on the back. We're all on the team. Now, on a team, you have quarterback, don't you? You have a running back. You have blockers. Everybody has their job. Everybody has a role. But we're all on the team. We're all empowered by God to be priests. And so this is the picture I want you to see, that it's not an us and them. It's not you have stars and I don't. The kingdom of God destroyed those lines. When Jesus showed up, those lines were destroyed. And we love to celebrate that, don't we? Like the lines around men and women. Like we'll say, oh yeah, Jesus made us all one team. Jesus, right? Well, same is true with priesthood. Same is true. Gentiles and Jews brought us together. Same is true. So it's so important that we understand that we're all being drafted into this. And if you don't believe me, let me read it to you. This is out of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 5 through 9. Listen to this. Or 5 and 9. Listen to this. And you are living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple. You. 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 Spiritual temple. Think about that. You're like, I'm a temple? Yes. You know the temple in the Bible? That's you. That's you. And that temple is to be holy unto God. He goes on a step further. He said, what's more is you are his holy priests. Now, where is this? New Testament. We just read from the old. This is the new. And this is after Jesus. So Peter is speaking after Jesus. He says, you are his holy priest. Through the meditation of Jesus Christ, you offer, listen to this, spiritual sacrifices that please God. Who's it please? You? Uh-uh. God. Then watch this in 1 Peter 2, 5 through, or this is in 1 Peter 2, 9. Listen to this. But you are a chosen people. You were chosen. You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. God says in his word that before you even came to faith, he had plans, he had purposes for you to do. Isn't that amazing? That before you even knew it, God had a plan for your life. He wants you to live that out. And if you haven't connected with that, friends, you will never be satisfied fully. And so he says to us, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Come on. Not only priests, but we're like kingly too. We're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Then he says, God's special possession. Remember that? God's treasure. Are you seeing the witness echo each other from old and new? 
And then he says this, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. What a glorious thing that we've been called out of darkness. We've been called out of the separation. We've been called out of the gap. Come on. We've been called out of these things. Why? So that we can bring God glory. So that we can show the world who he is. Not just so that I can do it, but that you can do it too. Like that's our purpose. That's what we're supposed to be about. And sometimes what happens is we start to believe that I'm only what I do. Because isn't that how we define ourselves? Hey, my name is Daniel. Good to meet you. What do you do? Yes, that's what we do. We define ourselves by what we do. And friends, this is a massive problem. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, and that's how you're defining your life, you have a massive problem. Not a little problem, a massive problem. Everybody say massive. Massive Massive problem. This is important. Because if we don't get this, we actually will spend our time doing things that God never intended us for it to do. And you only have a certain amount of time on this earth. And friends, I hope you don't waste it. Because I don't want to waste it. But if I don't understand this, I'll start to waste it. I will literally start to define myself by what I do. Now you're like, well, I don't do that. Okay, let's let's investigate it together. Let's let's just let's just dig in a little bit more because what I've noticed is that that what can happen is that if we don't fully understand our spiritual identity, everybody say spiritual identity. If, if we don't understand that we've received a spiritual identity from God through Jesus Christ, right? Peter's talking about this spiritual identity that we've received. What will happen is these other things will supersede that spiritual identity and define our lives. And friends, if we let that happen, we will lose sight of who we really are and what we're actually supposed to be about. Now, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, this is all babble to you. You don't care. You're like, eh, that sounds great. I'm going to go do my accounting. I get it. And I'm not asking anybody in here that's not a believer in Jesus Christ to believe what I'm saying. But if you are, I'm asking you to consider what I'm saying. And for those of you that don't have Jesus as your Savior and Lord, I'm asking you to consider, are you happy? Are you full of joy? Are you full of peace? Are you full of the things that God wants to give you? And do you find those in the things that you do? Just a question. Just a question to consider. Now, we live in a world that is, you guys are going to love this. So just, just stay with me. We live in a world that spends most of its time identifying itself with things that they were never created to be. Isn't that true? Now, I'm not going to pick on a bunch of people today. I just want to pick on one group. And look, I'm going to be very nice and very fair. And I'm going to, I'm actually give, I'm going to be very fair. All right. Very fair. So there's a group called furries. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of furries. Now, look, I'm not mad at furries. 
all right? I'm not mad at them. I'm not upset with the furries. Now, people in here, there are some of you that are over a certain age, and you're like, what the heck's a furry? <laughs> like, some of you are like, is that a cat? Well, let me just say this. I will never speak about cats. <laughs> I hate them. So you'll never hear me talk about cats except in a derogatory way. So they're not cats. It's different. So furries are people that, and usually they're younger people, that identify with anthropomorphic animals, basically. And you're like, what's that? It's like animals that look like humans, okay? And they wear costumes to be a part of the group. And so, so I have a picture that I'll show you. So these are furries. And furries, they get together, they spend time together, they have fun, they go to like Comic-Con type shows for furries or whatever. And, and it's a really close-knit group of people that identify with these kind of anthropomorphic animals and they want to be that particular thing. So they identify as a furry. So if you ask her, are you a furry? Yes, I identify as a furry. Now, I realize that I'm kind of picking on that. Now, here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with dressing up. Like, it's fun. Like, you know, like at, some of you at Halloween, you dress up and you, you dress up like a, 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 a furry. <laughs> now, none of you are dressing up like priests, though. And if you are, you're mocking them. So there's nothing with pretending. I mean, it's fun to pretend. It's fun to have a good time. It's fun to play, isn't it? So I'm not saying that. But there's a difference from playing and identifying your personhood with something that you were never created to be. Now, to be fair to the furries, there was, there was some news out there that somehow they had convinced all the public schools to help them put litter boxes in public schools. Guys, I just, for, for all of you conspiracy theorists, it's always important to check the facts because there's a lot of junk out there. This is not true. Okay, just, now is it possible? I guess it's possible, but it's not true at this point. But why would that be? Why would we start to make accommodations for it? I'll let your mind play with that for a little bit. But here's my point. When we start to identify in a, in a way that isn't what God wants us to identify as, it leads to all kinds of problems, doesn't it? Matter of fact, I would go as far as to say we lose our way. And we think we're on the path. And the enemy has deceived you into believing that you're on the path. But you're actually not on the path. But you think you are. Isn't that a horrible place to be? To, to be on the path and actually find out later that you were deceived? That's no fun. And what I'm trying to help us to see is that Jesus has already defined what the path is. Let me give you an example. Because remember I said that I think sometimes we don't even know we do this. Like here, I want to, like, 
let's take uh, Titus, for example, plays this guitar. Okay? So you would say Titus plays the guitar. He's a guitarist. If I, if I asked Titus, Titus, do you identify as a guitarist? He'd probably say, like, yeah. Identify as a guitarist. Now, if you identify as a guitarist, stay with me, then you identify in that kind of place, and that place leads you to a certain kind of function, a certain kind of belief about yourself. Yes? So that identification with it. And that's what we do. I identify as an accountant. I identify as a preacher. I identify as whatever you want to insert in there. I identify as a plumber. I identify as a singer. Then it leads to certain function. The problem is, is that that identification is a lower grade identification than the actual first identification that's necessary for you to handle the identification that's secondary. Because if you don't get that right, you will actually start to believe that that's what you are. That you are defined by what you do and not who you are in Christ. Do you understand? And so that begins to get confusing and conflicted. And the next thing you know, you are defining yourself by what you do, not because of what Christ has done for you. That's good stuff, isn't it? Because see, see, we have to get this right because if we get this wrong, we will literally start to determine ourselves by what we do. And that's what religion does. Religion wants us to do something in order to get God to what? Love us. And when we identify as a Methodist, or if we identify as a Baptist, we identify as a... Whatever you identify as... What can happen is you start to lose sight of the fact that you are actually a son or daughter of the Most High God. And if you don't identify there first, you will start putting things in front of your identity. If you identify as a Republican or a Democrat or whatever you identify as, friends, if you make that the most important thing in your life, you'll be on a path. And that path, friends, will lead not to where you think it's going. And that's why it's so important that we understand that we are priests first. That I'm a priest of God. I'm, I'm a part of a holy nation. I'm a part of a holy group. I, I have something to do. I identify with the king. <laughs> I identify with Jesus. I identify with what my Savior did for me. Come on, friends. That's what we should identify with. Because ultimately, he's the one. Man, I have so much more to say. Oh, it's killing me. But I know you guys can only handle a certain amount. See, worship teaches us our identity. And it determines our worth. Worship determines our worth. It determines our function. It helps us to know who we are. See, when we know who we are in God, when we, when we have our identity right, oh, it changes things, doesn't it? Listen to this. I don't know if you know this about yourself, but here are just a few facts about your identity. If you're a Christ follower today, here's your identity. You're a child of God. Do you know that? You're a child of God. I'll read it to you. This is in John 1, 12. It won't be on the screen. Just listen to me. But to all who believe in him, and accepted him, he gave the right to what? Become children of God. 
So, so you're a child of God. You know what else you are? Get this. You're a friend of God. Man, what a great friend to have. See, the Bible says I am no longer a slave because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friend since I have told you everything the Father has told me. You've been invited into a relationship. Did you know you're more than a conqueror? You know all those things you struggle with? Like everything, everything, like everything, everything. Whether it's big, little, or in between, everything. The Bible says that you're more than a conqueror. So if you don't think you can get over that addiction, you can. If you don't think you can get free from that thing, if you don't think that you can't put that cookie down, then you can. Because the Bible says that you're more than a conqueror. No, what the Bible says, despite all of these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Jesus Christ who loves us. Woo! Come on, guys. I'm not even making this up. See, 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 that's our identity. A couple more. You are chosen and dearly loved, the Bible says. Colossians tells us this. Since God chose you to be his holy people, he loves you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. How are you doing in those areas? But do you notice it all starts with who you are? Like, I'm not going to have mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience in my life if I don't have Jesus. He goes on, he's, a couple more. You are a citizen of heaven. Thank God I'm a citizen of heaven. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. In other words, someday I'm going home. Someday all the suffering, all the challenges I face, someday I'm going to be with God and all of it's going to go away. And he says, and we are eagerly awaiting him. We are eagerly awaiting him in his return. Come on. A few more. Isn't this good? Holy moly. You are redeemed, the Bible says. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. In other words, the law reveals your sin. It tells you you're a sinner. It shows you where you are a sinner, but it doesn't have the power to free you. But Jesus does. Jesus does. He says, when he was hung on the cross, he took up himself the curse of our wrongdoing. Woo! For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is anyone who hung on a tree. Jesus hung on a tree for you. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! couple more. You are a saint. Oh, pastor, I thought I was a sinner. Yeah, you were a sinner. The Bible says you're a saint. Now, I'm not saying that you don't have propensity or tendencies towards sinning. But if you identify as a sinner, well, then you will what? Sin. Perhaps you should identify as a saint with some sinning tendencies and ask God to help you with the sinning tendencies so you get your identity right. Because you can't win if you start with, I'm a sinner. A couple more. You are part of a holy nation, right? We just read that. But you are not like that. You are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Come on, God's very own possession. Isn't it nice to be God's own possession? And as a result, that you can show others what? The goodness of God. 
for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Pastor, who am I? I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm loved by God. I'm all these things are true of me, but I also have a job to do. I have a purpose and my purpose is to show everybody else the savior of the world that saved my life. And when I come into worship, come on, when I come into worship, my job is to express that to God. My job is to walk in here thankful even if I had a bad week because of what Jesus did for me. My job is to show up and give worship and praise to God, not because everything in my life is perfect, but because he's perfect, because he's done everything for me in Jesus' name. Come on, come on. Woo! And then finally, last one. You're like, wow, that's a lot. I'm an identities. I got all kinds of identity in Jesus. Look at me. And then he says, you're a part of a kingdom of priests, right? He has made us a kingdom of priests for God is his father. All glory to him forever and ever. Jesus, we thank you for making us priests. Did you notice that all of these identifications tell us something? They really tell us three things. One is how God sees us. Get that. So when he sees you, when he looks at you face to face, he sees what I just said. How often do we think he sees our sin? How often do we think that's what he sees? And every time we approach the Father, we come with this sense of shame. And friends, if you have Jesus, you have received his righteousness. Your righteousness is filthy rags, the Bible says. And so when you stand before the Father, you actually stand before him with the righteousness of Christ. So God sees you that way. So that's one thing you see in these. Here's another, is how much he values us. Did you know you're valued by God? Some of us think God is out to get us. Yes? Come on. I know people. Matter of fact, I've lived this way, and sometimes I still live this way. And I've told you this story. I used to be a kicker in football. I know, I know. You probably thought I was a linebacker, but what's your problem? I don't know why that's funny. But I remember on Friday nights before I'd go kick, I always tried the day before not to sin because I thought God would make me miss the field goal. Think about that. Think about how messed up that is. But that's how I thought as a 17-year-old trying to figure it out and understand this amazing God that I worship. But see, God's not interested in that. God wants us to see our value. Remember what I said? Jesus is restoring us back to something. Remember that? So he's restoring us back to something. What is he restoring us back to? He's restoring us back to Eden so that I can live in fellowship with the Father, so that I can be in connection with the Father, so that I can have a home in Him, so that I can be defined by the reflections of the God that loves me. Do you see how that can change how you see yourself? Do you see how that can change even what you do? Is when you understand your value? And then finally, it also shows us how we can serve his heart, which is worship. How we can worship him and love him for all that he's done for us. Come on, friends. See, God, God has a plan and a purpose for our life. And so 
I've got more to say, but I don't have time to say it. Um, someday I'm going to publish my notes and you guys will get to see them and be like, whoa, one, he's crazy. <laughs> and two, that's a lot. How do you think he was going to get through that? But what's my point? Is that we're all priests. We're all called to reflect God to the world. And when we come into this place, that's what God wants us to do. And so at Elevation, at Elevation, my heart for us is that we would strive, always strive for God's presence first. That in our worship, that we would work extra hard not to be identified as a singer or a guitarist or a greeter or a small group leader. No. Even though those things are important. But ultimately, we would be eager every Sunday to come into the house of the Lord to seek Him above all things because He's worthy. Do you see how simple that makes things? Do you ever sometimes feel like you come to church with way too much on your mind? Some of us come, we've just argued with everybody in our family. Some of you wanted to like tie your children up. We come with the burdens of the week, the fights we had with people, the people that are angry with us, the people that have hurt us or that we've hurt. All these things, it's, it's part of what it means to be human because there's, we live in this broken place. And here's my promise to you. And I, I guarantee you this, friends. Guaranteed. You're like, Pastor, is that guaranteed? Yep, guaranteed. If you'll put him first, if you'll seek him above all things when you come in here, I promise you, because he loves you, he values you, and he cares about you, he will help minister to that need that you have as well. But you've got to get the order right. When we come into this house, we are called to worship our King, to be priests that offer spiritual sacrifices unto God. That's what we're called to do. Did you know Jesus is called the great high priest? Like in Hebrews, he's called the great high priest. And it's from that lineage that we become priests. It's from that relationship because of what Jesus has done. And let me ask you this question. Can you imagine a church or a world for that matter if just this group of believers started to take ownership of who they actually are in Jesus and started to bring it in every area of your life? Can you imagine what we could do together? The change we could make, the things we could affect, the people who would be saved and set free and delivered. Oh, God forbid that we hang on to the thing that we've received. Because if we do that, we're like Israel. See, Israel was blessed to be a what? Blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. And so may we be that in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. God, we thank you. Now, just for a moment, I want to talk to you about something that I find to be the most important thing that you could ever do in your life. If you're here today and you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus, if maybe this is all new to you. My hope is, is that as I talked about who you are in Christ, if you are in Christ, that's something you would like. And so what I want to do just for a moment is give you an opportunity to receive that, okay? And so can we pray together? God, I thank you for the fact that because of what you did on the cross, we all, we all, all of humanity has the option and the opportunity to enter into a relationship with you and know the fullness of that. You know, the Bible says that if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died on a cross, was resurrected from the dead, and will someday come back in final victory, if you would believe these things, the Bible says that he will come in and he will save you. He will transform you from the inside out and set you on the right path. And so my heart today is that you would receive that if you haven't. So what I want to do is I just want to lead you in a prayer today. If this is your heart, if this is what you want, if you would say that I have not taken that step, that this stuff you're talking about is foreign to me, I just want to offer a prayer. And so if this is you, I just invite you to pray this prayer with me, okay? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I need a Savior. I repent of my sins. And I ask that you would save me. I surrender my life to you. Will you be my Lord? God, would you change me from the inside out? Would you show me my purpose? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Choose this day to worship you and to follow you with my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Guys, in just a moment, we're gonna spend some time just worshiping God. And I just wanna say this, if, if you took a step of faith today, I, I want you to do something. And I know this might be a little scary. But I'd love for you to check that box on the connect card that says that you came into a relationship with Jesus, that you committed your life to Christ. And if that's your decision, I'm going to give you two options. One is you can drop that in the kiosk as you leave. But if you would like to take another step, there are people over to my left 
and my right that are prayer people. They're part of our prayer team. I'd love for you to fill that out, check that box and give that to them so that they can pray with you and help you take your next step. All right? And so I'd invite you to stand. And so if you made a decision and you want to do that during the worship portion, please go do that. We would love for you to connect in that way because friends, we all need people helping us. Because if we do it in private, it's hard for us to do it in public. Amen? And so let's go ahead and take that step if that's you today, okay? Let me pray for us. Lord, this truly is holy ground because your presence is among us. And so Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for all that you're doing in this room, how you're stirring us and helping us become the priests that you've called us to be. God, would you raise up a holy nation? Would you raise up a a royal priesthood in this place that we would see our lives change, but also the lives of everybody we touch change as well in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, God.